When I walked back into the bar, the quiz was already underway, and a lot more people had turned up since I'd left. The place was heaving, but that didn't matter, nor deter me. And I at first thought I was going to struggle to find India amongst all those people. But lo and behold, sat near the entrance, laughing her head off <laughs> and guzzling, stuff in her face, sat India with some mutual friends. She really stood out like a sore thumb and I shuddered violently when I saw her that time around. I don't know what I was thinking sleeping with her. And to add further insult to injury, she stuck her disgusting hand in the air and waved at me as I walked in, before her and her table roared of laughter at something incomprehensible. <laughs> I realise now they probably weren't laughing at anything related to me, but at the time, I couldn't help but feel that they were. It just seemed too coincidental. And if there'd been any part of me that doubted confronting her, the sight of all those who I assumed were laughing at me riled me up even more. If I'd just taken a step back and looked at the situation with any kind of rationality, things might have been different. But I was beyond stubborn and incredibly focused on my plan ahead. With that motivation in mind, I marched over to the table and flopped down in the first seat available, which was directly in front of her. Yes, Liam, you good? Said one, offering me a high five. Ah, oh, mate, come and join our team, innit? Said another, drunkenly beaming at me. But I offered no response, no retaliatory high five. Like a cyborg, eyeing his latest target and bent on destruction. My eyes were firmly fixed on India. An unpleasant scowl strewn across my face. So, I whispered, leaning in towards her. What's this shit you've been saying? What? She replied. What are you talking about now? Oh, I'm sorry. I chimed back, nonchalantly. Did I stutter? What's not to understand from what I just said to you? Why am I hearing shitty rumours about me come out your mouth? Fuck off, Liam. I'm not doing this with you again. She snarled. There was a sound of the slow intake of air from those sat around when she'd said that. Oh, no. As if she'd said something totally outrageous and out of order. Ew. I couldn't let her show me up in front of everyone. So brushed off her response and continued in full vein. <laughs> Dickhead, I replied, sitting back in my chair, shaking my head and smiling. I don't know who you think you're talking to, but you know what, it doesn't matter. Because whilst everyone's here, let's get one thing straight. Stop telling people we slept together. Yeah, I would never sleep with you. Have you lost your fucking mind? Just fuck off, Liam. She said, standing up and pointing a meaty finger once again in my direction. But I would have none of it. And the abuse continued. 
<laughs> you really think I will be caught near a d like you? I laughed, standing also. Listen, don't let me ever hear that shit come in your mouth again, please. Do you understand me? You make me sick. <laughs> the sight of you makes me sick. In fact, scratch all of that. Talking to you right now makes me sick to my stomach. And yet you're out here running your mouth off. <laughs> Listen, just stop it here before I get mad. The music stopped. The chatter disappeared. The hubbub vanished. There wasn't a sound and no one moved. Everyone looked on, their mouths open, aghast. <gasps> Evidently waiting to see what was going to happen next and who was going to make the next move. It was a train wreck and every frustration and ill feeling I'd held towards her but squashed, then flowed out of me with ease. Like a boxer against the ropes, she soaked up every blow, unable to retaliate in any way. And it wasn't long before the waterworks started. With an almighty blood-curdling scream, followed by the equally loud war cry of, I said just fuck off, Liam. India became the second woman to raise her hands towards me. With an unforgettable look of menace and aggression in her eyes that no one should ever have to be on the receiving end of, she reached across the table and grabbed me by the scruff of my clothes and forcibly pushed me with all of her might in the chest, slamming me back into my chair, both shocked surprised what the hell? as if things at that moment couldn't get any worse somebody decided to scream <laughs> for those few brief seconds whilst I looked back at her as I slumped back in my chair I realized there was no turning back but that she'd also gone too far even the most patient person in the world would have found it difficult not to react to my tirade of abuse, but that by no means justifies the way that she dealt with it. It was already a delicate situation, hanging on a knife edge, and in full view of everyone we knew, she lost her head in such dramatic circumstances. So much so that I felt I needed to level up and do the same. The last thing I wanted was the fact that she'd pushed me to dominate the headlines. So to ensure I didn't lose face, I quickly stood up, puffed out my chest, and lost every inhibition going. Yo, have you lost your fucking mind? The fuck is wrong with you? Don't you ever put your hands on me again, you One of the guys who'd been sat close to us stood up. Mates, you can't talk to her like that. And I guess tried to intervene. Yo, mind your business. By putting his hands on me in an attempt to calm me down. Don't touch me. But I was too far gone and too incensed and shook him off. I just said get off, bro. With such ease, he too was sent flying back into his chair and then rolled dejectedly onto the floor in the process. I was in no mood to see if he was okay and ignoring him, quickly rounded back onto India. I ain't finished with you, you know. Don't you ever 
on me again. Someone else tried to intercept, but I carried on, spitting venom and spewing lies more so than ever. Sleep with you? Have you lost your I would never sleep with you in a million years, not even if my life depended on it. You make me Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Huh? And you're surprised. Stephen doesn't want you. It was at this point that India lunged at me for a second time. <coughs> and literally all hell broke loose. Tables were pushed aside, drinks spilled, and a melee of different people hurled towards us, desperate to hold her back and stop things from escalating further. But it didn't help. And the moment India grabbed me and tried to claw up my face and scratch my eyes out, I realized then that things were heavily out of control. A Royal Rumble wrestling match ensued with everyone landing on top of me, but so as not to get hurt and swallowed up in the flailing arms and bodies. I gave the pack an almighty push away from me, which meant India, who was stood on the peripheral, flew across the room and landed on a nearby table and rolled onto the floor, ejected, broken, and sobbing her eyes out. Everything became a blur after that. There were shouts of... Liam, you can't do that, lad. And... For fuck's sake, what the fuck is wrong with you? Among other diatribes, interjections and insults thrown my way. So the atmosphere was toxic more than ever. And in one fair swoop, I'd brought the quiz and the night's proceedings into complete and utter disarray. Even a girl from campus, who once seemingly hung on my every word, charged at me like a ball at Pamplona, as if avenging the death of a loved one, only to be held back by someone else. She was a big girl, not only in height, and as much as I'd love to talk shit and pretend I'd have been able to withstand her physical onslaught, she'd have most probably ploughed straight through me, like a Six Nations rugby player. And that was the last thing I needed. For those who'd been stood around, looking shell-shot, suddenly snapped into action and carried a more than hysterical India away. All of them throwing final looks of contempt and disappointment my way as they left. To them, I'd seemingly lost the plot completely. And for those who wanted to get to know me, or felt they already did, my fallout must have come as a complete surprise. As I continued to shout and protest my innocence whilst they led India away. Why is she pushing me for? I didn't even do anything wrong. Fuck off, man. Don't Get off me. Don't touch me. On the outskirts of all the kerfuffle stood Claire, drink in hand, but tears rolling down her face. And the sudden sight of her made me feel sick. She'd witnessed everything and probably had a front row seat to the whole debacle and wouldn't have believed what was going on. When our eyes met, I hoped in some weird way she understood 
and believed me and that everything that happened that night hadn't been in vain. But she shook her head, wiped the tears from her eyes with her free hand and turned her back to me and followed India away. A couple of guys in the bar quickly ushered me out too and suggested I went home before the situation worsened and not having much choice I duly agreed. When I got back to the house I laid down my things, placed my head in my hands and let out an almighty roar. Because I never once expected for things to go as far as they had. But they had escalated beyond my control. And my scream was more out of frustration and disbelief rather than annoyance. Claire called soon after and demanded an explanation for my behaviour. But I still continued to lie and protest my innocence. But it was pointless really. She'd said she'd wanted to believe me, and had, but that my behaviour that night allowed her to finally see through it. My OTT reaction was all the proof she needed, she said, and I would have been better off keeping my mouth shut and not confronting India in the first place. Unbeknownst to me at the time, it was widely known, according to Claire, that India had a tendency to be economical with the truth and that no one cared about India's braggadocious claims of bedding me. I cannot believe you, Liam. She said angrily, through tears. It wouldn't be so bad if you told me you'd slept with her. I'd have understood. After all, you and I were never exclusive. I knew that was going to be a challenge being involved with you. What you did, in front of everyone we know, is unforgivable. She was right. Of course she was right. She was so right. But like the boy who cried wolf, I tried to argue my case. But she continually cut me off, never giving me a chance to speak. Even if I wanted to admit wrongdoing, I would not have been able to because Claire then embarked on a foul-mouthed frenzy of her own and drained from my encounter with India. I was in no position to argue with her. She was deeply hurt, and even though no one significant knew about us, she said she was embarrassed and ashamed to have been ever associated with me. I was a... And said I'd broken my heart in more ways than I could imagine. And I could say nothing because I'd never heard her so angry before. Although the things she said were hurtful, I couldn't blame her. But drunk and belligerent and still so insistent on saving face, I could no longer accept the insults any further so hung up on her mid-conversation. She tried to call back, 
but I refused to answer defiantly, sending her to voicemail. After the tenth call, within the space of two minutes, with one final gesture of anger, I picked up and threw my mobile across the room. Its carcass landing on the furthest wall. I stood and watched it, ready to witness it smash into little pieces. But it just bounced off the wall and landed helplessly on the floor. And I in turn did the same. I was exhausted, not only physically, but mentally and emotionally too. And I lay my head down and fell asleep. When I awoke the next day, word had spread like wildfire across campus, with reports that I slapped India, called her among other unbelievable things. I'd also apparently pushed India to the floor and had been on the receiving end from a rather embarrassing hiding from the girl who charged at me. So you can understand why for the first week absolutely no one would speak to me. But I didn't care and I chose to walk around campus with my head held high almost as if I had something to be proud of. But the looks of contempt, whispers and points whenever I walked into a room were enough to send me into an internal frenzy. By the afternoon, I'd had enough of being made to feel like I was some sort of leper and returned to my flat, straight into my room and locked the door. And it would be a few more days before anyone saw me again. And that was only because I had a shift at Blockbusters. I absolutely dreaded going into work that day. Although I had no reason to. But given my bad luck, I expected tales of my misdemeanor to have travelled far and wide and into every facet of my personal life outside of university. Everyone on campus seemingly hated me and with my relationships already soured at work, I'd pretty much assumed everyone else I knew had more reason to as if all life at the time revolved around me. I trudged to work with my tail between my legs and my head held low just in case someone from uni saw me. I can't tell you how incredibly sorry I felt for myself and my stomach catapulted and turned as I hadn't eaten for days. My personal hygiene had taken a holiday and forgot to tell me. I hadn't shaved. My eyes were bleary. And I was almost certain I possessed the never-ending, subsiding, and extremely potent aroma of Boots Cologne. It was far from the usual standard of behavior my work colleagues were accustomed to but no one actually said anything to me 
all made me feel there was a noticeable problem. I want to believe it wasn't that they didn't care. Rather, they didn't want to bother me. If you ignore the elephant in the room, eventually you'll forget that it's there. And I guess that applies to me. Because for those few hours, I got to resume some sort of normality. Nor was I treated as if I committed some heinous war crime. I did, however, continue to ostracize myself purposely after that, in an attempt to make amends, but also to try and salvage the last remnants of my reputation. It was the least I could do, and if I looked like I was sorry for going on like the Incredible Hulk, I was sure people would welcome me back with open arms. I needed to make it right with a number of people. And the first order of play was India. Claire had to wait because I assumed if she heard I'd showed remorse towards India first, then I believed she was bound to see the good in me once again. After all, the countless hours of talking and time spent together had to count for something. I wasn't sorry though, and deep down I still hated India for everything she'd put me through. But biting the bullets, I sat down and tried to write a message of apology to her. It was hardly a personal touch, but I wasn't going to go out of my way to actually physically find her. I just couldn't face seeing her, and she would have been able to see right through my face-to-face -face apology anyway. That being said, I still knew I had to be seen as genuine. So, sent her the following message via Facebook. India, I would have taken the time out to come and see you and do this instead but it's probably best I do it here. I have to first of all sincerely apologise for the way I was towards you, and secondly, for all the things I said. I don't want to try and justify myself to you, because I had no right to blow up the way I did with anyone, let alone you, for any reason whatsoever, no matter the mood I was in. But I feel I ought to try and explain myself to you. I was unhappy with you because we categorically agreed we would not talk to anyone or other people about what happened. What you may or may not be aware is, is that by telling whoever you told, and I know of at least three people, you may have thought that was in secrecy but frankly it wasn't. It got me into trouble with someone that I had been seeing because they heard from one of the people you told, etc, etc. And it's gone on from there. She put me on the spot and asked me about you and the rumour 
and because of our agreement, I lied and said it never happened. It wasn't until I found out that you told Stephen that I'd had enough. You didn't come to me and let me know beforehand, especially since I'd already told my lie to the other girl. Your behaviour when I asked you about it, and the way you told me about Stephen, yes, pushed me over the edge. Because whilst I was trying to keep things quiet for both of us, you were undoing it, and I still ultimately wanted to stick with this girl. She no longer wants anything to do with me now, as well as most people here, after the lies and how I dealt with you, which I definitely deserve, and I completely understand even after this, you and I don't talk again, but I had to say sorry. What went on there was totally out of character, and I should never have shouted at you and said what I said. I'm sure you know deep down I'm not a prick, but I'll be the first to admit that I do have prick-like tendencies. Wednesday was one of those times. I am really, really sorry I upset you, and take care in whatever you do, and sorry again. Liam. She never bothered to reply to that. But no matter, because I knew word would spread. My side of the story had gone unheard. And I knew India would not be able to resist showing people what I'd sent. All that was left was to win Claire over. But the problem was... I had not seen her nor spoken to her for a fair few days, so had no idea how she was feeling. Talking to her face to face was totally out of the question too, so I didn't really know how to make things right with her. I expected, or rather wanted, her to have been sat in her room since it all happened watching rom-coms and stuffing her puffy from Tia's face full of ice cream. So with that in mind, I took the decision to deliver flowers to Claire's flat, leaving them outside her flat door in the hope I would appeal to her romantic side. I didn't of course know any differently and the idea was small, but all I could focus on was that less than a few weeks before, she had told me she loved me and left her boyfriend for me. There was absolutely no reason why it would not be welcomed and championed. So when I received a knock, on the front door and peered out my window to see Claire stood there smiling with one of her friends. I couldn't believe it worked. 
But when I opened the door, the smile I thought I saw was a scowl. And before I'd even had a chance to say anything, even muster and Hello. Or you're right. The flowers hurtled towards me. Hitting me square in the face. <laughs> Great shot, Claire. Cried her friend. It was hardly a great shot. It wasn't as if Claire was an Olympic javelinist and had managed to hit me in the face from hundreds of meters away. I won't congratulate her for that. But what I do know is what I did to her was undoubtedly mean. But I knew the latest backlash was more for show. So, I shrugged my shoulders, brushed the lily pollen out of my eye, and let out a puff of air. Okay. Oh, thanks for that. I, I give up. I said. You win. I'm not fighting with you anymore. Yes, Liam. She said, snidely. Maybe it's best, because I hate you, and always will for what you've done to me. With one final look of disdain thrown towards me and a slow, merciless shake of the head, Claire turned her back on me and never spoke to me again. I saw her around campus from time to time after that. Most of the time she was drunk, out of her mind. I couldn't help but feel it was because of me though. After all, who knows what her and her boyfriend had before me. They could have been perfect for each other. But something about me had once again swayed yet another girl in a relationship. Only this time, the girl had chosen me. And I wasn't up for it. And tornadoed her feelings for everyone to see. That being said, I always tried to help her whenever my campus duties called for it in an attempt to reclaim some sort of forgiveness. But when she left uni at Christmas and went back home due to not being focused on her studies, the chance of absolution moved with her. I can't sit here and say there are times I don't miss her. I do. Of course I do. She was my friend. But with no idea or any means of contacting her, she will always remain just another broken heart in my stupid, stupid game.